What's going on, everybody? It is Chris, aka SSJ Blackrod, here with another episode. Should I play that? Episode 46, I think. 46. Yeah, that's yep, it. Episode 46. <laughs> We're here. 2020. It's a whole new year, and I'm excited about like how everything's set up for this. You know, at least for the next month, things are looking really good. We have some guests lined up. We have guests. We have a guest in this very episode. Oh so, my god. Um, uh, and then Rod. What's going on, man? How you doing? Uh, pretty, pretty good. You know, for the folks listening week, week in, week out, you know, it, it, it's we haven't really gone anywhere. But for us in real time, it's like it's been a minute. It's been a mm-hmm. minute since we recorded. So uh, I'm feeling good, refreshed, and I'm ready to go. All right. And just like I said earlier, we have a guest for this episode. We have Aiden. You can find him on Instagram at that tall guy you know. Aiden, how's Thanks. it going, man? I'm doing excellent this evening. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, yeah, I'm excited to have you on. Um, I I appreciate like you know the shoutouts you've done for the show, uh, for like like uh, giving us like some feedback. Like all of that stuff helps the brand. It helps mm-hmm. the product, and we we really appreciate that. We really do. Oh, definitely. I'm, I it's a great podcast you got. Wow. Well, wow. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, I do have a quick question though. How tall are you? Dude, you know, this is the age-old question that everyone asks. I should just put in my bio. I'm 6'5". Um, Good God. But uh, the f- do I play basketball? And I have to say, no, I'm sorry. I did not. I spent all that time playing video games. NBA, <laughs> though. NBA, you know, video games, maybe that counts, though, right? I was I like, well, so. like, like NBA Jam, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there we go. Some backyard basketball, you know, when I was a little kid, too. <laughs> All right. Um, so um, something I want to try a little different with, uh, I guess, because I think I, I'm counting this as like season three of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have guests. Uh, I sort of want to like have like a small like icebreaker, not only for you, but also, also for our viewers, sort of get to know you just a little bit. So uh, I have two questions and this is like off the top of the head. So like try not to think too hard about it, but. I think you sort of already talked about it a little bit before pre-show, so this first question should be pretty easy. But, Aiden, what's your favorite game of all time? My favorite game of all time, uh, uh, I have to say, without a doubt, hands down, it's Fallout New Vegas. I feel like it's a very uh, cliche answer because I think it's got a very strong cult following. But if you're a fan of like RPG elements and choice and branching storylines, I don't think you can find a better game than that. And I loved Outer uh, Outer Worlds, sorry, not Outer Wilds, um, <laughs> because Obsidian, I think they do a great job, especially with uh, RPG elements. But their crown jewel still sits in 2010. That's that's pretty interesting because, like, I you would figure that with um, them putting out a newer game, like it would shift over to that. But it's it's sort of it's really cool to see that you know you still have your you know your heart is still set in Fallout New Vegas. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's probably because probably that childhood nostalgia, you know, bringing up, you know, how everyone's familiar about the 90s now. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling that about 2010, I guess, because I'm a late stage millennial. <laughs> when was the when was the last time you've gone back and played uh, New Vegas? Uh, I think I started my last playthrough just last year, but I don't think I finished because now that uh, I'm in my 20s now, it's actually, you know, hard. I find it harder 
to balance a gaming life and a, you know, actually work life with everything that's going on. It's getting crazy. And especially um, since their other games are coming out, I'm like, yeah, I've already beaten New Vegas. I got, I mean, I love it. I've pretty much played through every possible ending multiple times. I just, I got to move on and try something else right now. So hopefully this year. What is it about that specific title it brings you back time and time again? Because a favorite game of all time to me is something that uh, gives you a specific feeling, like a, a feeling that no other, not only game, but piece of media really can give you. So what is it about New Vegas that makes that particularly stand out, especially from other entries in that franchise? The uh, the freedom. I don't think I've met a ge- I've seen a game with more branching uh, storylines and more like impact where your decisions have impact on factions. Mm-hmm. I think to this day it still stands the game with the most lines of dialogue. It sits at sixty five thousand lines of dialogue mm-hmm. uh, over ten years later, and uh, I think you can gauge a game's like branching storylines and you know decisions. Based, I guess, on the lines of dialogue, because, by the way, NPCs react to you and your decisions really determines all the different ways, determines the ways uh, the story branches at all. So it feels really impactful by every action I take in that game. Awesome. I was going to say, I remember playing New Vegas, and I want to say it was New Vegas where, like, the very beginning of the game, you could do something and piss off an entire faction for the rest of the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah but you can times. even... You can even work your way back into their like their good side because that faction that you can piss off is actually uh, split into two factions themselves, and it's it's branches into like the smallest little things. It's crazy. All right. So last question I have. Um, we all have it, but what's your favorite gaming snack? Like your go-to? I'm um, like knees deep in a really good video game. For sure. But I- but I have to have this like right next to me. God, does Heineken count? Because <laughs> I just got I have a Heineken whenever I sit down. <laughs> that's perfect. That's a really yeah. good answer because that's like one of my comfort beers. Like, it, it's not yeah. like craft or anything, but it's like it's not Bud Light. You know, it's not oh shit. So I really appreciate that answer. That that's think, really good. I think you might be one of the best guests we've had so far. <laughs> well, thank you. I think I think it's European shit technically. I it think is, it's yeah. like the PBR of yeah, it's like the PBR of Europe. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm supposed to go to Amsterdam in a couple months, so uh, I thought about visiting the brewery over there, um, and I I will go with that knowledge, armed with that particular line. <laughs> please, uh, please keep me informed. I'm excited to find out what they say. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Rob, take take a lot of pictures. Take a lot of videos, and of course, when you take your videos, you got to put it, uh, put it horizontally. Uh, I, was gonna, I was gonna shoot vertically, you know, like everybody else. Oof, no, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna go ahead and jump into our next section, our what you've been playing section, and of course, with that, you know, we have a guest, so we're gonna have Aiden start it off. So Aiden, what okay. you been playing? Thanks, man. Ah, well, so. My job, I basically have a few weeks in the year where I basically have off, and that's I consolidate all my gaming time into that because those are the only times where I basically can sit down and play games all the way through. So I've been binging um, Resident Evil 2, The Mm -hmm. Outer Worlds, of course, Death Stranding, Jedi Fallen Order, 
and Metro Exodus. And I think that was the past two months. I just like played those games start to finish, like back to back. And I gained like five or six pounds just sitting on the beer, uh, sitting on the couch <laughs> drinking beer. Yeah, well, I'll say all of those are pretty heavy games. I got, like, out of all of them, what are, I guess, what did you like the most out of all of them? Ah, that's, that's tough because each game, uh, I think they're all very different because they all bring something new to the table and each element is like, they capture really well. Um, if I'm going in order, Resident Evil 2, I always had a feeling of anxiety. Uh, I don't know if I could do any minor spoilers, but the fact that I was always hiding from Mr. X and he could be around any corner, just, like, I always kept fear in my, like, in the back <laughs> of my head, and I would just, like, I would sometimes not want to play the game because, like, I don't want to be chased by a giant uh, towering man. The Outer Worlds, obviously the RPG elements, I'm a huge fan of Obsidian. Death Stranding, I, I'm one of the few people, or one of the the half the people who really love the narrative of that game. And I know it's a very divided issue. Mm. Jedi fallen order. I mean, a big Jedi lore fan and the combat of that was great. Metro Exodus was just okay. Mm. Uh, I mean, it was no different than the previous titles. I don't think, but that's just how I felt there. Um, so I definitely want to question or, or ask you some questions on, on these games that you've played here. Um, so Resident Evil 2, something I found myself struck by with that title was the fact that uh, Capcom managed to capture, they managed to do a unique thing. They captured the old, the essence of original Resident Evil games, like one through three, um, and really kind of put a modern coat of paint on it and yeah. made it not feel so archaic but it, it but you still it still evoked that feeling of of oh okay this is classic re like we've get we've got oh. the puzzles and things like mm-hmm. that here um did that follow through and this is me from only playing the demo i i actually ha- have the game now but I've, i'm trying to finish other stuff before i get to it uh mm-hmm. does does it carry over to that in, entire experience like oh yeah online? Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of companies, I feel like they say, you know, they're going to remake games, but, you know, like remasters. Resident Evil 2 was a full-fledged remake. Like, I felt like I was playing a brand new game. Uh, I didn't actually play the original, but so maybe I'm a little bit, you know, uh, naive to answer this question. But uh, it honestly felt like a full-fledged game compared to other titles that are uh, honestly just slightly better graphics and they don't change anything at all uh so i gotta give capcom uh full credit for this because it's the best remake i think i've ever seen that's awesome it looks incredible too Mm -hmm. i definitely encourage it it's on sale right now i think or could be over yeah no it's over sorry definitely worth a pickup though for sure um like I think, I mean, even from the demo that I played, like it was fantastic. And hearing your glowing review, it's like, man, I'm really itching to get started on that thing. Um, with Death Stranding, like I, I definitely want you to kind of talk about that a bit because Chris played Death Stranding. Oh boy, okay. yes Chris, I Chris, did. Chris did not like Death Stranding. I think you gave it oh, like really? a week or something. Like I, I, I gave it a good like two weeks, but okay. I mean. <laughs> I, I feel like the, the the gameplay just wasn't fun enough for me to, like, get into the story. Like, I, I, I keep hearing that it's the narrative of the game that really pulls you in. But for me, if I'm not having fun with the game, 
I just yeah. I can't I can't do it. I understand. No, I understand. You, it's an acquired taste. It's like it's not for everyone. It's kind of like um, I guess I don't know caviar, not or like snails. What do they call them? Escargot. Escargot. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you know some people like them, some people don't. I don't know. That sounds very pretentious. I've only tried it once. I hated it, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you know it really depends on your taste. You know, like not everyone likes FPSs. Not everyone likes, you know, third-player games. You know, they're all different kinds of gamers. They come from different perspectives. Uh, music has a huge impact in gaming for me. And the way they incorporated the licensed uh, copyright music from uh, Low Roar and uh, just various artists who are, like, almost entirely Icelandic-based bands just added a great sense of atmosphere and really... Um, put me in the story and I, I got invested mainly just from the soundtrack and it just like I was like dude now I feel like I'm wandering uh post-apocalypse America yeah. and uh, apparently they based the map off of Iceland I just got back from uh a vacation to Iceland right when I started playing it so I felt like I was like whoa I've seen this before it's crazy <laughs> so yeah it was great personally that's why I liked it so I guess it was more or less like I guess the everything else surrounding the game that's what pulled you in because uh, I do agree. Yeah, I liked that when you're like you know you're traveling and you're thinking, damn, like I really have to walk this whole like you know distance to oh, get yeah. to this objective, and then all of a sudden like the music starts shifting and like they'll have a like a song play. I'm like, oh, okay, this is actually pretty cool, and I like this. And oh, oh go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I totally understand. It, that definitely gets really tedious. Uh, mm-hmm. But how far did you actually get in the game before you called it quits? Oof, uh, I mean, honestly, like it was really early. I think um, after I delivered the body, maybe? Wait, you mean the president's friend body? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was like, so it was like super early, super early no. in the game. Oh, I definitely agree with you because that that whole first like map area in the game gets very tedious, very like boring. I think it's not until you get to the second map where the full the rest of the map when it starts to open up and the story gets interesting because I got so bored and I almost quit because I just felt like I was running errands. Uh, mm-hmm. But when you get later in the game, you have the possibility of um, delivering materials to rebuild the highways. And I'm like, I'm really like, I'm so dissatisfied with America's shitty uh, infrastructure. I just felt I had to rebuild these highways in the game. And I just dedicated a lot. I put 60 hours in the game. I think a good 20 of them just rebuilding the highways from uh, station to station. And I don't know. It just tedious tasks became addictive to me in that game. Yeah, I want to say, I think I've read that. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think I was in, like, Chapter 2. But people say, yeah, I think Chapter 3, that's when when it opens up. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe I could have given it another shake. And, of course, like, you know, down the road, um, I, I might give it another go. But, like, there's, there's, you know, there's some other games out there that I want uh, I wanted to, you know, take on. One of the games you actually played, and that's the Star Wars game. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. Jedi Fallen Order? Yeah. Okay, uh, so I just, honestly, I just rented that from Redbox, and I uh, was trying to beat it as fast as I can, so I wouldn't be charged more. 
So I started <laughs> on like normal difficulty and then eventually I got to like bosses. I'm like, okay, this like, I got to return this. I can't spend any more money on this game. So I just moved it down to Padawan. And it's definitely what people I think describe it as like a Dark Souls in the Star Wars universe. Um, down def- for it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. It's definitely that. It's challenging. Uh, but it's just something so cool about wielding a lightsaber. Like, it just feels satisfying to kill enemies, like reflecting bullets or just slicing them in half. It just it feels so good. I don't know why. Yeah. It's such a random pairing, but it mm-hmm. seems like it worked really well. Mm-hmm. I just, maybe the protagonist was a little bit too generic because I think they used, they used the kid from Shameless, I believe so, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't relate to him that much, so it was hard to immerse in the game that way, personally. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely one that I plan on picking up just off the gameplay alone. I mean, it's a respawn title, so like I, I, I'm not super surprised that it's really good because they did awesome work with Titanfall too. Um, mm-hmm. but man, like I, I'm in the kind of in the mood for like good Star Wars mm-hmm. media after being disappointed by Episode Nine. So, um, this this will be a good palate cleanser, I think. You didn't like Episode Nine. I, I did not like it, man. Uh, oh, I, I'm not. I saw it three times. I loved it. Sorry. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Did did you just side note? Did you enjoy Last Jedi at all? No, I hated Last Jedi. Interesting. Yeah. See, I loved Last Jedi. Like that's probably my favorite Star Wars movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing with this last trilogy is that like it's it's so open to air what people like. Yeah. It's divided a fan base so much. I I honestly don't think I've seen a fan base divided until this last trilogy. Yeah. It's pretty wild, honestly. Um, yeah, I think at this point, Star Wars has, like, the most, like, unhappy fan base, like, in existence. <laughs> it's like, maybe you I, I, I question, all together. Yeah, like, up until Mandalorian, like, I questioned whether or not people actually like Star Wars, or were they just saying it? That that, that was me. That was me. After Rise uh, Episode Nine. I was like, I have been just saying the words, Star Wars is cool, and I like Star Wars, but walking out of Episode Nine, I was like, but do I really, though? Like, do I? Um, but it's cool. It's it's cool. I didn't leave pissed off or anything. It was it was fine. Um, but it's good to hear that Fallen Order is is good. I'm happy about that. Um, I'm actually really curious about Metro Exodus. That's one of the games from 2019 that I I meant to get to. I'm a fan of the Metro series, so seeing Exodus come out and it's this open world-ish type of game um, yeah. is, is a deviation from what they've done before, where it's very much, uh, no, I wouldn't say on rails, but it's more linear. Um, it's a linear experience. So uh, the first question I would ask you is, did you play Metro and were you a fan prior to Exodus? I played the uh, second one. I didn't play 2033. Uh, I forgot what the second one was called. Uh, Last uh, Light. Last Light, yes. Yeah. So I played Last Light. I did like Last Light. Uh, I thought the story was a little strange. Uh, just, I'm. A, did you guys play Last Light or the yeah, I played both stuff? of them. Okay. Uh, I don't know. It's a little weirded out by the whole uh, Dark Ones and everything. Yeah. Uh, this game, they didn't bring them up at all, so they weren't involved mm-hmm. at all. And I'd say what this game brought new to the table was basically how they laid out their maps because it was like uh, almost like 
sections of open world gaming and mm. then you would complete a section and move on to the next and i thought it explored landscapes that were cool that you don't really hear much about like siberia and mm. like uh kazakhstan and all these areas where like oh those are countries too i see them on the map but no one ever really talks about them so it's nice to see them in uh like exposed in a game and not like a typical major city setting or anything like that Right, right. And that's one of the interesting things I found about the Metro series is that it takes place in this this underground environment because the the, you know, the top side of the the world, like, I mean, you, it's dangerous and it's you can it can kill you. And the environment is something that you do not want to be in, at least the yeah. open environment. Um, So the idea, the prospect of wandering, um, you know, the just outside in a Metro game was really intriguing to me. And I was just curious if they had pulled that off at all. I think they definitely pulled that off in terms of, like, leaving, and if you are wanting, like, advancement in terms of the storyline, I would definitely recommend playing Metro Exodus. It's hard to talk about without spoiling plot details, so I can't really say much about it, but um, this may be the last in the title, because I don't know where they can go from here. Mm. I was like, wasn't this series, you know, it's based on, a like, a book series, right? Yeah. It is, yeah. Okay. But it's also called Metro, so if they're no longer in the subway, yeah. you don't have to yeah. change the title. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so finally, I definitely wanted to hear your thoughts on Outer Worlds. Not only just because, you know, I, I'm, you know, I think we both, Chris and I have, have played through this game. Well, Chris has completed it. I'm getting close to completing it. Um, and you are such an Obsidian fan and you, you know, New Vegas, you've stated is your favorite game of all time. Like, I mean, how does Outer Worlds, maybe it's an unfair question to ask, how does it stack up? But like, just on its own as a singular experience, like, what did Outer Worlds mean for you? Like, did it land well or what, what was going on there? Sorry about that. Um, I think. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's that's his answer. Right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. You know, that's all I'm going to give. No more comment. Uh, again, dude, I mean, I love Obsidian. I think what they do is great. Their storytelling elements are uh, fantastic. And so I but because I was such a big fan of uh, Fallout New Vegas, I went into this with like such a grain of salt. Like, OK, I'm holding these guys to impossibly high standards. And I think my. I think it was a great game, you know, in terms of, like, uh, storyline, in terms of, like, choices. But overall, I th- it, it was one of the better games of the year for you, for me, if not the best. But I thought it was disappointing, to mm-hmm. say. Because you could beat the game in a very short amount of time. It's not flushed out, and it just did not feel as branched or your actions had as much consequences as new vegas and for some reason i know new vegas had a very like large crunch time they only had like a year to complete this project that project i was expecting them probably to do like a lot more and branch even more and you know technology had developed in 10 or nine years since this since this game so i was going with like huge expectations of like new vegas but better and it just fell short for me. So uh, I liked the game. Don't get me wrong. I thought it was great. Um, but I I don't know. I I shot myself in the foot with this one, to be honest. No, I want to I want to ask. Um, have you did you play through the game like a number of times, or how many I, playthroughs have you done? I just did it twice. Uh, I twice? did 
Okay. Yeah, I did like a uh, stealth, you know, a charismatic approach. You know, like I want to capture my own personality. You know, how it is. <laughs> I sneak around people's backs and try to charm my way into job positions because that's the only way I've gotten through life. Uh, and then I did a stupid, brutal, evil walkthrough, and that took me like six hours to beat. So, like, by changing your playstyle, did you? Was there big? Was there a big enough difference, especially with like the playstyle, and then also with like how you sort of like played before? Did you intentionally make different choices to sort of see what the outcomes were? Because uh, my because pro- my problem is like I, I the game makes it look like there mm-hmm. there's a lot of choice, which I I feel it, but I feel like certain decisions are sort of like streamlined into like one specific path. So oh yeah course uh that's definitely the truth uh there are certain people that i chose not to kill and kept alive basically i just like kept my own like morale the first playthrough i kept my own morality in terms like this guy's a dick i want him to die and Mm -hmm. uh like i hated the board the board just seemed like a bunch of uh you know like corporate assholes who are just sitting up and like you know stomping on the people below so like whenever i encountered someone who was part of the board i would you know like try to covertly off them. Um, the thing about, so that's the one comparison I can make to new Vegas. If you like silently kill someone in new Vegas, you know, no faction notices you as an enemy. And then they'll just be like, this person died and we don't know what to do without leadership. But if you try to covertly kill someone in this game, uh, outer worlds, everyone's going to know you did it. And it's just going to affect the storyline. You could still be like remain friendly with a faction if you are very silent and very careful of how you off a character. As long as you're not seen, mm. like you sneak in outer worlds, it doesn't matter what you do. As soon as you make the choice, it affects the faction entirely. That's just one of the comparisons I can make between yeah. the two games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, honestly, Aiden, like, I'm I, everything that you said about it, I feel like I'm right there with you. Like, it, it, it yeah. feels... I felt like this game started really, really strong. And right now I'm at uh, what Byzantium. Um, yeah. And I just feel like the game has just petered out for me. Like, right now, it's it's it's... Not, I'm not running across any side quests that are super intriguing or interesting. I'm actually in the middle of doing Ellie's uh, companion quest, and that seems like I kind of feel like I know where that's going, and it's just not mm-hmm. as compelling as like Vicar Max or Provardi's quest yeah. were. Um, and just at this point in the story, I just feel like there's not much forward momentum. Um, and kind of what Chris was saying, um, earlier is is exactly how i feel as well where the story paths are to me seemingly very defined and it's 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 really three paths it's like good bad and then like you kind of have one that's down well maybe not good but like maybe seemingly good bad and then one that's down the middle and will be like a compromise for both parties um and it feels like the game just doesn't compromise like it, it doesn't really trust the player to like kind of make a choice and and live with those consequences it it mm-hmm. kind of gives you an opportunity to pull back and say oh, okay well here's a way we can make everyone happy um oh. and that is disappointing i've seen that n- numerous times at this point um I, I think you could you know we maybe we should cut them a little slack because it's not a triple a studio obsidian is a double a and i don't think they were given like you know 
too much support. I mean, they were obviously bought up by Microsoft and future titles are going to be owned by Microsoft. And I think it'd be smart if they do a sequel because I think the game was successful enough. But I don't think ever, you know, because this is a brand new launch title and it was pretty much only the cult following of the original Fallout games who were like, oh boy, these are like the original like Fallout creators were super excited for it. That's such right. a niche fan base. Yeah. I think the fact that captured a larger audience with the like a brand new project is going to put a lot more funding and a lot more uh, like effort in terms of like branching out and doing more work with future titles. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think in Outer Worlds 2 can definitely correct a lot of the issues that I personally had with it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I was just disappointed at how quickly I bounced off of it given how excited I was in the first like five oh, yeah. or six hours. I was like, oh my god, this is fresh and new and and like they're refining everything that i love about the genre um oh yeah yeah. i think i think what saved me was that like my attention span in certain games well just attention span in general is like it's it's shot so i like just like you said at the beginning of the game i did the side quest i was doing the companion quest i was really like you know sucked in i feel once you hit maybe about now i was a little bit past halfway towards the game i was like you know what I sort of want to see how, like, this main quest sort of, like, you know, plays out. So in most games like this, like, you normally try and do all the side quests. I actually just jumped off and went straight to, uh, like, just straight through the main quest. And I feel like because of that, I didn't burn myself out. But I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that if I sort of, you know, you know, stuck on, like, the side quest and, like, pretty much played, like, how you're playing right now, I could, I could definitely see where you're coming from. But I do want to shout out the writing. The writing for the game is oh, yeah. hilarious. Oh yeah, no, they're they're great. Uh, I I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, do you think I draw a lot of parallels, like a little bit more subtle humor, but I compared it. I couldn't stop comparing it to Borderlands. It's the same concept essentially, just open world. It felt like an open world games in Borderlands with subtle humor. Yeah, I mean, I think on the show a couple times we've we've saw. We shouted that out, and we said that you know we feel like it's Borderlands humor, but done right. Yeah, yeah, like Borderlands humor makes me actively cringe, but like Outer Worlds humor is genuinely funny to me. Like there were moments where, like, some of the jackass responses you can give to people are are hysterical. Oh, um, yeah. and I, and I really just want to play a complete dick uh, in my next playthrough, um, <laughs> just because it's just hilarious what you can what you can tell people. It's great. Oh yeah. Definitely. I agree with that. All right. All right. So, um, Rod, I see that uh, you picked up some some new stuff over the the holiday season. I did. I did. Rod, what you been playing? Man, I finally pulled the trigger on an Oculus Quest. I bought it. I bought it. It took me so little background on that. So I decided that I wanted one like on December 26th, <laughs> uh, like right after Christmas. I was like, you know what? I am going to treat myself. I haven't really bought like a lot um, this year. So like for myself. So um, I'm going to do this. And lo and behold, it was impossible to find one. Um, I did not realize how difficult it was like and, and how much that they had actually sold out. I want to say that it actually started in maybe November, possibly, um, where they just started selling out of stores. 
And so I was like, okay, well, guess I'm not getting that. I tried to actually get the back order on the Oculus site, and, it's, and they were like, hey, you're not going to actually receive that until mid-February. And I was like, oh, well, okay. So almost gave up, but I downloaded a uh, tracking app that would notify me every single time that it popped up, like in stock anywhere. And fortunately, the 128 gig version, which is the one that I wanted, uh, did pop up like at, I don't know, like two o'clock in the morning or something like the next day. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I like grabbed it real quick. I'd actually tried earlier in the day because I was getting notifications for this, like (laughs) maybe a few times, like I would say maybe 10 times like in the day, but I was always too slow. And if I hesitated for even five seconds, it'd be gone. Um, so I, so I knew that I needed to grab it. So I, I got it. Finally, it came in like two days. It was great. Um, and then, yeah, I purchased, I purchased Beat Saber and I purchased a uh, super hot VR, which <laughs> I mean is the greatest VR experience you can ever have. Oh my God. Um, and I also got the Star Wars VR game for free. There's a promotion going on with Oculus right now where if you activate Theater Immortal. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. If you activate your Oculus, you get all three episodes for free. So that was cool. I was like, yeah, great. So now I have three games. But before I get into the games, I do want to talk about the soft or the hardware just really quick. So if you don't know, Oculus Quest is uh, it is a fantastic piece of technology because it is not tethered to a PC at all. That is big. Um, that is huge. PSVR, uh, Oculus Rift S, like all of that stuff, the index, like it's all it's all powered by something, either the console or the PC, you are tethered. Now, you can, like, kind of, I guess you could kind of do a 360 if you want, but, you know, obviously you get wrapped up in wires. It's kind of a pain to deal with. You don't get any of that with the Quest. Like, it is completely untethered. You can walk around your space. It's great. I have never actually used anything with room-scale technology before either. The Quest also has that. So... Um, what that means is you can actually create the play space that you will utilize, and it can be as small or as large as you want it to be. Um, so I actually cleared out some space. Um, I just moved into a new apartment, and so uh, I actually have a lot of space right now. So um, I actually was able to create a a pretty large area, and like kind of it, what it does is when you boot it up, it actually asks you to create the space, and it's like a acts as like a spray paint with the controller, and you just kind of mark the ground. There's like four cameras on the headset, so you can actually see like in actual in reality, like through the headset itself. And you can draw your play space and it's great because then some walls come up and anytime you go outside of those walls or you come near it, no matter what game you're playing, those walls come up and you can kind of say, oh, okay, well, I shouldn't move back or, oh, I shouldn't maybe like extend my hand that way because I'm going to hit like something probably. So awesome technology. I love it. This to me is the best VR headset out there. It's not the most powerful but um, I think it, it makes up for the graphical fidelity in terms of just like what you can do with it. So that's awesome. And I don't and it does not look bad. So don't don't take it like I'm saying, oh, this thing looks like shit. It doesn't. Uh, that Star Wars game looks incredible. Like I, it's it's stunning how how good it looks. Um, mm-hmm. But 
but it's great. So you have like the Oculus OS, which is uh, pretty nice. You know, you kind of have like your standard kind of screen. I have not actually gone online with it. Like I haven't like browsed the internet or anything like that on it yet. But um, you can do all of that. You know, you have the Oculus Store, all the sales. You have a wish list. Um, it's very easy to navigate the store. The controllers feel really good. Um, like they don't feel like like super cheap plastic. They actually feel uh pretty hefty which is cool um so, yeah, how's the how's the battery life i have not okay so i'm still at like three bars at this at this point i've maybe have put like close to 10 hours on the headset and like i have not lost a bar in my in my ha- handset yet so oh, the wow. battery <laughs> yeah the battery oh. life on the headset itself um is shorter so right now i would say you can play for depends on the game i believe but you could probably play for three hours without having needing to recharge it, which personally is pretty good. Like I, I, I like three I, three hours makes sense. Like at that point, you you either you know you're bored or like you physically might get. Uh, I don't say you might physically get sick, yeah. but some people like if you're not used to VR, like you sort of have to build up your VR legs. So yes. like there, oh, there yeah. are times I know when I had the PlayStation VR, I like when I first got it, maybe play about an hour hour and a half before like i would get like a headache or something like that but um i played through resident evil 7 all the way through in vr and that game definitely gave me my vr legs like at that point i was able to do sessions of like two three hours horror game wow yeah yeah Yeah. that's a way to break yourself in (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was gonna, I was gonna ask. Um, you said you bought Super Hot, and I know, yep. you know, uh, there was a time where you know you came over, you tried out Super Hot on the PlayStation VR. How, what's like, how's the difference with the room scale? Because like I, I think maybe about a month or two ago, I went to a VR bar in North Atlanta, I think. Yeah, um, a Reverie, I think you're Rever- talking about. Yeah, and they have like all the VR set, like the booths set up. Yeah. So like, how do you, how do you like the room scale Super Hot? Because I feel like it, that's huge difference it's a game changer it is like legitimately a game changer so like i played i've played super hot maybe in like four sessions now uh three or four sessions and it's it's it really changes it up because not only like do you have freedom of motion whereas before like you don't like with psvr like when i played it at your uh at your place a while back like you couldn't you were limited on on movement right like you could not go to certain areas simply because like the physical the physical nature of the hardware just didn't allow for that um and also the tracking is a little bit wonky it's not terrible but it's not as good as the quest head tracking which is also a a huge difference maker um and so yeah the head tracking combined with the room scale does make it feel like a complete game you're ducking you're dodging in ways that like feel completely when i say it it feels natural like it is it's so organic to uh to the spirit of the game where it 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 almost feels like a different experience like and i and i don't mean that to be like hyperbole but i mean it's that it really does feel completely different um and as you know, super hot again, best VR experience you can have. It is the most visceral experience. It uses VR in a way that I just don't think any other VR game is like even I, I mean I think I think some might get close, but oh my god. It it is a first person uh Aiden, have you have you played Super Hot? I you know, to be honest, I have not played VR at all. And I've 
just had to look up on YouTube what Super Hot was. Okay. It is great. So it is a first person, I would say sim semi puzzle game because time yeah. moves when you move. So you oh, wow. have time. Yeah. So it, uh, you have time to think about your reactions. You're kind of fighting against these, uh, these figures who, uh, have guns or they have knives or swords or something to kill you with. Um, and, you just have to kill them before they kill you. That's the objective of the entire game. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, it's, it is a puzzle game. You get, to, you have to figure out, like, you know, what objects to use. You can pick things up and throw them, including the guns. Those are used as weapons. Um, huh. it's, uh, you can, you can have weapons thrown at you. Like, if you punch someone, uh, with a weapon, like, and you can catch it in midair. Obviously, it's in slow mo because, like, you know, or it might be fast because you might be moving fast. Um, but you can feel like John Wick. It's great. Um, it's, <laughs> that's, that's the best way to describe it is like a John Wick simulator because, yeah, there there are moments where like you know you're surrounded by a bunch of people. You yeah. might have like just one gun or you might have a knife on you, and you got to make it out. Yeah, yes, find you, some way to do it. Yes, and they they do such a great job. The developers do such a great job of putting you in precarious positions. There are a few times when you have to figure out how to kill three people in a room with shotguns, and you don't have anything but, like, a knife. Um, and it's great. You can walk up to people, take their guns, shoot them with it, maybe hit the other person with the shotgun, and maybe punch the other guy out. Like, it's so great. Um, I can't say enough good things. So... Uh, Beat Saber is also really fun. That is a rhythm action game. I am very much a fan of rhythm uh, games in general, as some of you may know. And this one is no different. You basically have blocks that come at you as music is playing in the background, and they come actually to the beat of the music. And as they approach you or your area, you have to actually slice in the direction that they are um, that they are approaching you with. So think like. I don't want to say Fruit Ninja, but like that's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> um, but it's like you're really you're actually cutting them in the in whatever direction the block says. So if the block has like an arrow going up, that's what direction you slice in. You also have to dodge like bombs and like platforms that actually come at you in VR, and you have to like kind of duck or go to the side, move to the side or whatever. Again, makes it all super super smooth and um and, and really just very immersive with the wireless tech so you can feel like you can actually move on the platform and not really be limited to space. Uh, I'm really enjoying that as well. I played that for like a couple hours so far and that's really really fun. Um, that Vader Immortal game, Aiden, you mentioned that before. Was that something that you had your eye on, like kind of to try out? I, or? I did. So I was looking at the uh, the Oculus uh, and you know, uh, the mobile one, the one that's not tethered to a computer, because I was looking to you know make investment, but I was deciding between 64-bit and 128-gig, yeah. uh, not bit. Um, and I couldn't decide but i looked at vader immortal gameplay and it looks really good and i was like blown away from my side imagine like what that would look like in vr headset which i can't because i've never been in a vr headset but i imagine it looks great <laughs> yes you know absolutely it it absolutely looks great so the thing about vader immortal is that it's very much i would say an on-rails experience um it is i what i would say is a relatively typical 
uh, VR game with the exception that it is Star Wars. And so there are some things that are just fucking cool. So like you have, um, I don't want to spoil too much, but you do have a lightsaber at some point. Um, and you have some other fun stuff you can do. And, uh, there is actually, there's, there's a decent bit of combat in it. Um, and they have some good voice work and, you know, the story is pretty standard Star Wars stuff, but like it's made even more fun because like, you know, you really genuinely feel like you're in the action. Um, and I, I will just say that the, the game opens with, um, you are in a ship and you actually like jump to hyperspace because like you're being or light speed because you are uh, um, being chased by uh, some enemy ships and it really feels like you're in one of the films and that is honestly one of the highest comments mm. compliments I think you can give something like this is that they were able to accurately emulate uh, that that feeling that you get um, also Darth Vader is extremely tall and very menacing <laughs> like when, when he comes in on screen um, it is it's quite striking. I just thought about something. So when you set up the um, Oculus Quest, do you set up your height? No, you don't. Because <laughs> I was gonna say you know, I, wanna, I, wanna, I, wanna, I was gonna say I wonder how Aiden stacks up against Vader. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I wish. You know, maybe I'll get my. Uh, is it one of those? So is Oculus where something where if you move yourself vertical, like the game will move vertical as well? Yes. Yeah. So yes. if you start the game when you're crouched and you get up like in the gameplay. Will you just like, uh, you stand up during the gameplay? Do you get taller? Would that work? Um, kind of, yeah. Like the game does re- recognize, like I, I can speak specifically to the quest, um, because the tracking is like in, is inherent with the headset itself. So it does recognize it. Actually, the one of the first things it asks you actually is where is the floor. So you can actually kind of dictate where that is, and that may have something to do with how it can tell if when you're crouching and, and when you're not. Um, but you, the, the there are actually characters in the Star Wars game who are like speaking to you, like giving you dialogue exposition, and they are. You can walk around them, and they will, they will, their eyes will track, or their entire head will track where you are. So, like, it's really cool. I was actually just playing around. I wasn't even listening to what they were saying. I was just, like, so fascinated that they were actively tracking me in real time, like, where I, the player, was in the world. I just never seen anything. Well, I mean, obviously, we see stuff like that in other games, but just not in, like, I, I hadn't experienced that in a VR setting. And it just felt like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm here. Like, I'm, I'm actually living this adventure right now. Um, yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. a different feeling. Like, yeah. uh, being in a game where it's that direct, where you actually feel like you're in the world, characters are, like, talking to you, move, and, like, you're, like, like I don't know, it's, it's, it's something that's really, like, I don't want to say visceral, visceral, that's not the word, but it's immersive. It's really yes. immersive. Yeah, so um, I'm trying to think of, there were some games I played on a PlayStation VR that I was like that. Um, I think I played through, well, Skyrim wasn't like, I think that was just like a, like a, a quick port. Yeah. Like it wasn't. I, I hope they put Skyrim on the quest. I, I hope so. Like I, I could, I could see it happening, but at the same time that is up to Bethesda to patch it. Cause I know that, uh, the PC version ran like shit for a while. Yeah. So I see, wonder if it's, they fixed it. Yeah. See, I could see, you know, the quest being great, you know, for, or, uh, VR being great for, you know, like shorter burst games. But like, since Skyrim is such a marathon, yeah. would that not be like 
an issue, you know, just basically like doing like 30 to 40 hours of gameplay just in a VR headset. Once you're immersed in the game, like it's, and once you get your VR legs, Mm-hmm. The sky's the limit at that point. Yeah. Like at that point, you oh, well. you have to worry about your your headset, uh, the battery dying because I I, I know specifically <laughs> for for Skyrim, like that the ability of like being able to move your hands and like gesture so you could shoot fireballs or like have your like direct your hands while like if you wanted to use a bow and arrow, you actually have to you know take the arrow with one hand and knock it on the bow and pull back. Like it's it's such a great feeling to actually do that in the game and see everything translate right around you yeah it's it sounds like something that might be you know off the wall but it's it's possible i to that point like i have experienced so far so i've I've obviously tried vr on other headsets and so i never i've never really felt like there was an adjustment period for for me personally i know most people i'm in the minority on that most people do need to get their legs absolutely um i never had to that problem here but i will say that with the quest, um, the battery life capping out at like three, three and a half hours or whatever is completely fine with me because at the end of that session, it's like I found myself not necessarily getting bored, but just kind of like, you know, I'm tired, you know, I'm up, I'm, I'm active doing this. Like, you know, I'm not just sitting on my couch, like I'm, I'm up, I'm engaged physically. Um, and that is, that's, it can be taxing, like it physically taxing in a good way, you know, that's good. Um, but, after that amount of time, it's like, I feel full. Like, I feel satisfied. So when it's close to dead, I'm, I'm good. It, I've never yet been like, oh man, like, you know, I gotta charge it now. Like, every time it's been like, yeah, it's about time to wrap it up. Um, and, and that's cool. That, that's, that's cool. And I will also say that, um, with the, um, the Vader game, it is, especially neat because um you have to like i it was actually (laughs) it's funny i got sick for the first time like almost sick really for the first time yeah i do not let me let me emphasize that like i don't get motion sickness very easily um i've i've watched all sorts of like first person movies i've I've seen like all kinds of shaky cam, like uh, found footage stuff. I've played, I've played all sorts of first person games. I don't get motion sickness very easily. That Vader game almost gave me motion sickness. Mm. Hmm. I was gonna say, is there is it like a certain sequence? Yeah, that's doing it. Yeah, it was something specific. It was actually when they do this on default when you start the game, they actually offer the ability to kind of uh, cut the transportation down to teleport you because what happens is that you the there's a there's walking in the game like you are actually having to use the controller to walk and so when you are moving and it's smooth and there's no cut or anything it's jarring because your brain is not really comprehending the fact that you're moving but you're not actually moving like you're visually transporting yourself like there's locomotion happening but not in reality and something about that was like fucking my brain up and i wasn't like oh so so vader immortal is it uh so i'm guessing it's like locomotion like it's not teleport 
Well, they get the default is the teleport, but I turned it off thinking like, ah, why would I want it to go? Because I started the game and it was like kind of weird that it was like teleporting me, and I was like, I don't like this. Like, yeah, I hate no. teleporting. Yeah, I, I don't like this. Like, oh, yeah. give me give me the regular you know movement, and then I did, and I was like, oh shit, okay, this is why. But I mean, I actually I kept it on there and I got used to it, and I didn't get that feeling anymore. But when I first started, I was like, oh god. Okay, and then they also give you an option that when you're moving, you can keep smooth motion on, but you the your peripheral will will blacken, it will it will darken, and so you'll only be able to see like maybe twenty thirty percent of your screen, which prevents it also prevents motion sickness. Um, but to me, it just blocked out too much of the screen, so I was like, I'm just gonna stomach it, get used to it, and it and it'll be fine, and and I did. Yeah, and that's and that's what I did. Anytime I'm playing a VR game and like he'll ask you that stuff, I'm like, no, give it to me raw. Like I want it straight. Yeah. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And and that's and, I, and like, like we said before, it's something that for a lot of people, like it's a toss up. So you know, <laughs> if you want to buy a VR headset, I'd recommend looking up uh, local because I mean this is a thing that's like happening in like major cities now where they have like. <laughs> VR hubs where you can, uh, you know, put on a headset, play a game or two. They have like group VR stuff that, um, I know there's one in Atlanta that I want to try out. So, um, definitely try it. Try out VR. This is, we're in 2020 people. Try, try it out for sure. sure. Yeah. Aiden, I know you said that you were looking at a quest. I think, I think it's a good investment, especially if you've never had VR before. I I don't Mm -hmm. think that there's been a better time to hop into VR than right now. Like the quest on the 64 (laughs) gig, if you decide to get that, is like, $400. $400. That's about as affordable as you can get with the technology that it actually has. That's what I was actually going to ask you. It's my follow-up question is, what do you think the value between 64 and the 128 gig? Do you think it's worth investing in the 128 gig versus the 64? As someone who bought the 128, um, I, I am a hoarder, like, in terms of space. <laughs> like, so, like, I don't do... It bothers me when I have to constantly delete stuff. So... Yeah. For me, it was worth it to pay the $100 because, like, I, I want to have, like, all my games on me at one time, and I don't want to have to pick and choose, you know, what I'm going to take with me. Um, yeah. when, when all is said and done, you're probably going to have, like, five to, like, maybe 10 gigs of that taken up by the OS by itself. Um, okay. So you could probably subtract that from everything else. And I would say the games generally have been about, like, two to three gigs. Um, like oh. that. That That's seems good. Yeah. It's not bad. It's it's definitely not bad. I'm gonna load my shit up though. So like, <laughs> I just want to have everything there. But I think you could totally get away with the 64 gigs, especially if like you know somebody is tight on money and they're like, yeah, I don't know. Like, go ahead and get the 64. It wouldn't it wouldn't kill you for sure. Gotcha. And is it like uh, it's not RAM processing speed? The difference between the two is just storage. Correct. Just storage. Just storage. Okay. Yep. Awesome. That but I, I definitely do recommend trying out a VR bar, like trying out VR before jumping into it. Because I've I, I've worked retail, uh, I worked at GameStop for a while, and seeing people get really excited to buy a VR headset and then like within hours come back to return it because they literally couldn't play it, like that's that's the worst. Yeah, it 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 eases you in too. There's a an application that starts up when you when you boot it up. It's called First Steps. And it teaches you it, – it really it does a fantastic job of showing you not only what VR is capable of, but easing you into it. Uh, yeah. I'm just looking at this uh, – the VR bar. There's a lot in Atlanta or mm-hmm, Reverie. Yeah. 
Reverie. Wow. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's pretty much me with Oculus Quest. Chris. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm dying to know what you've been playing. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, coming off of our Game of the Year episode, which y'all should go ahead and check it out, uh, listen to it. Um, Disco Elysium is a game that I pushed really hard for, super hard. I am really, like, excited that I pushed it as far as I did on that list. But, um, so I took some, so I had some time over the past, like, you know, week, week and a half to play some more. And when I say that everything that I said in that episode, like, I truly meant, and to this day, like, it's like where I'm at now, it's still the same. Like, I love this game. I love being able to, um, if you haven't, you know, seen the game, Disco Elysium is a, it's like an isometric, uh, RPG, as in like, um, think tabletop RPG, where, uh, like your stats, like really, like what, like how you build your character really, like, you know, affects the, how you play the game. So if you put a lot of stats into intelligence, then your character's gonna be super smart. You'll be able to deduct certain things while it's happening, and you can sort of, you can sort of solve, uh, certain situations before they even happen. Um, but at the same time, you only have a certain amount of skill points. So if you pump too many stats into like intelligence and have no stats in, uh, your physical attributes, which is what I'm going through right now <laughs> in my playthrough, uh, you'll come across instances where you have to use, you know, uh, you have to use your brawn. And since I have literally no stats in that, I, I think there was a moment where I think I tried to like kick a door or like do styles, doing something physical. And since my character is so weak, he hurt himself. <laughs> and since my character is also a drunk and a, he's like an alcoholic, which at, at this time I'm trying to like wean him off of it. So I haven't had, you know, drink anything. Now he's going through withdrawal. So anytime I get hit or something like weird happens to me, there's like a high chance I might get a heart attack. So there have been times where I think I, I had the option to like jump a ledge and I was like, you know what? Let's just go for it. I saved maybe like a couple minutes before. I don't mind like, you know, reloading this. I rolled and I think I failed the roll. So I was thinking, shit, my character's about to die. But the game does a good job of putting you in situations like that. But then sometimes with the writing, uh, taking that situation and like turning it elsewhere. So right before he actually jumped, he stopped and he was like, wait a minute, this is stupid. Like I'm, I'm not going to make this jump, but with like his forward momentum and like stopping so suddenly he tripped, hurt himself and had a heart attack. Jesus. Wow. So yeah. So (laughs) escalate quickly. God damn. Okay. Very quickly. Um, there's just, there's so much in this game that I really like. There's, uh, there's like, um, there's a, there's, there's like a, not a riot, but there's a strike going on in the town that you're in. And a lot of the, like, higher ups, a lot of, like, the people in power, you figure out pretty, you know, quickly that they're racist. And that, and, and more so it's like a classism type of racism and also racism racism. So they're Tell me more about racism racism. Oh, you're like, yeah. full, 
full blown racism. Uh, it's it's <laughs> it's um it's interesting to sort of like play through a game where uh you, to I guess just to say it straight, you're you're playing as a white guy and being able to use that to your advantage. Huh. So okay. yeah, so like this game yeah. like goes in depth with stuff. Like I was able to use that to sort of get past the guard. And at the same time, yeah. while you're playing, you're playing. You have a uh, lieutenant that's with you from another um, station, and you guys are working together on this case. When you say weird or wild stuff, that lieutenant will like he'll you know make remarks. He'll look at you funny. He'll remember what you're saying, and like. After I, you know, I got through that guard, he, you know, he pulled me over. He was like, "Hey, all that stuff you were saying, are you, are you serious?" And I was like, "Nah, man, I just did that so we could go by." And he, he, he so he looked at me, but he was like, uh, "All right, I'm just, I was just wondering, just making sure." So yeah, man, like Disco Elysium is a if you if you like RPGs, if you like Dungeons and Dragons, if you like stuff that you really either like really detailed. You love this game. That's uh, I'm you've definitely captured my interest. I'm gonna look into this now for sure. Yeah, it's it's uh, PC only right now, but they are porting it to consoles uh, this year. Um, it's yeah, it's a it's a fun time. I'm and another thing is while you're playing the game, um, every time you're like in dialogue choices or if you're interacting with like certain things in an environment, the time moves forward by like a couple minutes. So um, there are certain, there's certain things that happen in the game where it's like, oh, it's too early. You have to come back or it's like, yeah, you know, this person isn't here. Come back in an hour. So you have to go out, you know, talk to people, uh, it, you know, get the time moving forward to get past that point that you're at. Um, and then there's also things that you could do where at night when your um, when the, your partner, uh, goes to sleep. If there were like some shady stuff that you wanted to do, but you didn't want to do in front of your partner, you could actually stay up and do that at night. Hmm. Huh. Wow. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it really sounds like that is the it, it, and you said this during the game of the year episode, I believe, but like it's the ultimate game about like like it's it's the it almost seems like the antithesis of um of outer worlds like it, it seems like it's making you stick with each and every single decision that you have made like yeah. and it's the minute <laughs> the minute decisions too like they matter in every way no no here's a good point so there was an uh there was a character that I spoke to earlier in the game and completely fucked up the dialogue tree like he at the end of that conversation he hated me he was like you know what I'm done talking to you so I was like, all right, I guess I, I can't talk to this guy anymore. Uh, further into the story, it turns out I actually need to go back and talk to him. And because of like how I interacted with him before, it sort of changed how he was speaking to me at that point. So I sort of had to try to win him over again, which I did because I, right. once again, used my white privilege. And... Uh, <laughs> I uh, I was able to like sort of halfway win him over, but at the same time he still remembered all the shit I was saying before. Love it. So, yeah, it's, it's a that, very interesting game. See, it sounds like everything that like I liked about the a true RPG element with like branching choices. So it sounds like what I was expecting out Outer Worlds. It seems like it's in this game. Yes, right. So right. I definitely captured my interest for sure. 
Yep. And like just, you know, uh, talking to certain characters and realizing that like the thing that you're saying is like fucking up your situation even worse. It's <laughs> like the, the writing in this game is also <laughs> pretty good too. It's really funny. Yeah, I've seen a good chunk of of the dialogue in this game, and it seems like they they've taken great care to to really give this game tons of personality, and I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so it's funny that um, so uh, like I said, played a little bit of that, and um, what else did you play, Chris? Huh. All right, so <laughs> I I picked up Bloodborne. Oh my! Oh wow! God. Yeah, yeah. So you know something I've realized over the past year especially when we're doing the, you know, game of the year episode, I, I guess I understand the gameplay loop of like these games now. So, um, after jumping in and like, sort of like, you know, explaining to you how I was playing, you're like, yo, Chris, you you actually, you, you might be good. I mean, you might, you, you might be able to figure this game out, which yes. I feel like, you know, you know, Souls games, Bloodborne, I guess Sekiro, all those games sort of fit in like that one box of, you know, the game is as, you know, is as fair to you as you are to it. So if you go into a fight and you fuck up, then you fuck up. It's not the game, like, cheating you out of something. So uh, the deaths that I've had in this game, uh, of course, you know, some game, uh, some some deaths, you're going to be like, yo, what the hell just happened? But at the same time, I so, sort of sit back and I'm thinking, all right, so this is where I messed up, you know, I overextended or I used too much stamina swinging or rolling around. I learned from my mistakes. That's essentially what this game is, is learning from your mistakes. Yep. It's, it's, it's basically, what, what was that Tom Cruise movie? Um, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. That's basically what I feel like whenever I play these games. Yeah. Huh. I never really thought about it like that, but yeah, that's actually pretty accurate. <laughs> that's pretty accurate. Um, so, I, I just love that you've played this game and like that. Okay, so my favorite moment. So we've been co-oping this game a little bit. Um, did you play any more? Like afterward, you played a little bit, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you get any further or? I got a little bit further. Um, I like just based on like how the enemies were acting. Um, I think I was getting close to whoever was like shooting at me. Like he, like he was progressively doing like more and more shit that just got on my nerves. So like, oh, I think okay. I, at some point he's like throwing, it looks like Molotovs and stuff at you. Okay. Was this guy like on a watchtower or something like high yeah. up? Yeah. Okay. I know where you are. You're like an old Yarnum, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Bloodborne is uh, one of the games of the generation. So. You know, there we go. It's it's great. Um, it is also something I'm really happy to see you try because of your history with Souls games and everything that you pretty much just said. Like, I know they were super frustrating for you. You did not have, like, a great time with them. But I think the thing about Bloodborne is that it's very much about just, like, getting in somebody's shit and just not letting up. Um, and I yeah, think you can appreciate I think, that. I think when I finally beat that, um, that optional boss, that, that bridge boss, yeah. it, it was essentially that where like, you know, the times it took to like finally beat him, I think I was thinking too much, but, but when I finally was able to beat him, I was in so much of a groove where like I knew how he was an attack. I yes. knew like how far his attack was going to go. And before you knew it, like I basically went ultra instinct and, you know, I dodged his attacks, 
did some damage, and before I knew it, like, I'm swinging, and I'm not getting any of, like, the uh, the hit markers or whatever of, like, doing damage. I was like, yo, what's going on? Is the game glitched? No. I killed him. Yeah, he had no health. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, seriously, like, that is one of my favorite moments so far of you playing that game is, like, you going in you we so basically there is a multiplayer currency in the game so like it's called insight so if you don't have any insight then you can't summon other people for help that means you have to do it on your own at this point um you accidentally used your insight uh <laughs> on an, on it with an npc character who got themselves killed fairly quickly yeah um and so we could not i could not co-op that fight with you and get you through it so Basically, you had to do it on your own. I am so proud of you that you lit, you lit, you literally went in and like learned the patterns and you went in and, 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 and just excelled. And then you got the joy. Everything that I've been saying about these games from, for years now, years, Chris, you, you understood it and you got it. You were like, that was satisfying. Like that was actually really, satisfactory so i'm happy for you man i want to play more of this with you there you have barely scratched the surface of what this game has to offer like i'm i'm (laughs) sorry well i mean that in a good way like in terms of just aesthetic like the game is is phenomenal like i mean it really is one of the best playstation 4 games like you can get um and i think you'll you'll find even more rewarding fights like going forward so yeah, and and I also like that you know I I did try this game you know when the game came out and uh, I guess the the first boss that we went against that we beat uh, you're saying like you know he had like certain mechanics that were like hard and you know yeah. he he's a tough boss yeah when we when we beat him together like I realized I I didn't get like a trophy or a notification for beating him so I go back look at the trophies it turns out I ended up beating him uh back when I first played the game and I think wow. that's where I stopped. Because I don't yeah. remember anything past that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we have so much more awesome shit to get to. I'm so excited. Let's just stop recording and go do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know about that. But um, I, we, I will play it some more uh, over the next couple of weeks. You know, we will do some more co-op. And we will let you guys, you know, we'll fill you guys in on my little adventure on Bloodborne. Huh. Yep. So, um, before we jump into the topic of the week, uh, once again, I want to shout out all the viewers, shout out people on YouTube. You know, people are commenting on our YouTube videos now and following us. That's, it's a really good feeling. Like, I, I, I really appreciate all that. Um, once again, we are on, you know, multiple, uh, social media platforms. So we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're there. Should I play that? Same logo. See the little logo in the bottom of the screen? Wait, right there. Bam. Right over there. That controller? Look for it when you search for it, and we're there. But, um, yeah, so I guess we could go ahead and jump into the topic of the week, which sort of like, I feel like with some of the games that we talked about uh, today, I feel like some games, you know, might be affected down the road pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Or or they just mm-hmm. might not touch them at all. But uh, we want to go ahead and talk about how how live service games, for the most part, is it's changing the industry. Um, you could look at games like Destiny. Uh, I think Destiny is the biggest game to look at when you're looking at live service. Um, 
You can look at Fortnite, of course, uh, with that being like a battle royale. <laughs> and at the same time, the, I, I will always give them props with like their updates, their events. Like it's, there's always something <laughs> to do while you're playing Fortnite. So, um, these type of games, like that's, that's for them, for most part, that's what you see when you're on Twitch. These are the games that people are like, they're, you're streaming. These are the games that people are playing. Um, what does that mean for other games, like single player games? Because you can sort of at this point see how that's mm-hmm. sort of mirroring together where, uh, I'm trying to think, for example, like there are some single player games where while you're playing it, it's like, hey, you know, here are your two options, but 60% of people did this option, 40% of people did this option. Um, I know for me, yeah. I, I, I tell, tell. Yeah, I sort of like gauge my decision based on that, uh, <laughs> that percentage sometimes, but uh, I just sort of, you know, open discussion. What, what do you guys feel about like just live service and like just the future of it? How is it going to affect uh, gaming or like just single player games in general? Well, uh, from a marketing standpoint, I mean, it, it makes sense. Companies are doing that. EA is explicitly like uh, detailed how they're only like they're trying to navigate where all their games are going to be like online experiences. And um Obviously, you know, EAA has been hot water for reasons um, that are pretty evident, but um, it's starting to affect single-player narratives in companies aside from AAA games to the point where even if they're not adapting to online features, uh, they're taking elements from online features and trying to put them in single-player games. I think... It takes away from the single player narrative. I think it personally came evident to me in um, Fallout 4. Um, I think I stand where that is a good game, but a disappointing Fallout because I felt like they were trying to do too much with building and settlements and trying mm. to incorporate, you know, basically an element that you would find in like Minecraft and that you could share online with other people. Well, that's not even. Uh, an online aspect, you could definitely say it has ties to the online world because the only uh, reason you're trying to build a community is to share with other players. Um, I feel like it's starting to take away from the immersion, from RPG element games, which is what I grew up on. But also could just be with the change in generation and our, our gravitation towards streaming services and need to basically want Ha- want to have things almost immediately compared to waiting for them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, that is, um, to the point about the instant gratification. Yeah. That is definitely apparent in things like battle passes. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, even if you look at the, uh, newest call of duty, which, you know, we are, I think is a, a great game, um, which I haven't said about a call of duty in forever. Um, uh, but, mm-hmm. Like it, it has a battle pass on there, and it's like, hey, if you want this MP5, like you can pay us ten bucks, or like right now, uh, or oh, yeah. you can play for ten hours and get it that way. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, you know, they're gonna say, obviously, hey, we're offering you the ability to get it for free. You just have to kind of sacrifice your time for it. Your your time is your <laughs> currency. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that that is part of it 
for for sure. It's it's a way of like okay, these these developers are saying how can we or the publishers rather are saying like how can we monetize this experience um, yet gain the most accessible you know base you know and that's going to be mm-hmm. free to play experiences Fortnite um, uh, uh, not Player Unknown what's the other one uh, Apex Legends things like that. Yeah. Like, you know, all those sorts of Battle Royale games, those are perfect for this type of stuff, for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, MOBAs, Dota, League, all of that stuff. Uh, and those games make bank. Like, they make a, millions upon millions of dollars uh, for, for these guys. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that it's, it's, it is a prolifer- proliferation that, like, <laughs> we have not seen in quite a while. I think the most... The the most egregious example of this, and we have talked about this on the show a little bit before, um, and I, I'm sure we'll continue to mention it, is is Destiny. Like I think it's Destiny is the epitome of live service. Um, you know, it I would say arguably, like at least for consoles, like it really established like that that idea of having a game that is always on. Um, it it is consistently updated. Um, you're always going to be you're always going to have something to do on there um you're always going to be on that hamster wheel and i think that's the danger of something like that is is the hamster wheel and that's why i got off of it like after destiny one i poured uh, an ungodly amount of hours into it into that game um and you know it just felt like at the by the end i received almost nothing significant in return um i was basically playing the lottery essentially every week um but that's the trade-off, right? And it's it's almost an impossibility that you can even you can con- uh, or create content that will satiate the player base because you can't make content every single week. You can't come out with something new. It's just not feasible. Um, and I, I don't. I'm not sure if anyone has actually solved that problem yet. Um, and I don't think there is really a way to do it. Um, just because there's no way to create that content so quickly. Uh, well. I mean, I feel like a good way of doing it, but it just has to be done. Well, once again, it has to be done right. But look at, you know, games like the Telltale games or any of like the episodic Mm -hmm. content games. Uh, A lot of those games are really fun. um, But the problem that a lot of them have is that it takes a while for these episodes to come out. So like for me, I typically wait until like the whole, like all episodes are out. So like I'm about to jump into Life is Strange 2 pretty soon. Um, I think... What game was it? Um, that's, another, that's another game that is like just now getting its third episode, and I, it just I can't remember it. But like games like that, like I can't even remember yeah. what the name of the game is because yeah. it's been that long. Yeah. Um. The the issue is is that we like the com- the companies these you know developers publishers they have to figure out a way to keep our attention onto these games because that, essentially mm-hmm. that's what they're fighting for. You have um, these free-to-play games where you sort of jump in, jump out. You have other services mm-hmm. like Netflix where, like, you know, there's stuff consistently coming out that you can just binge and watch. Uh, it's At the end of the day, it just falls down to creating a product that you could jump into and, like, it holds your attention. And it, it's – you have to keep in mind, too, that, like, although video game companies want to put out good quality products, you – to keep in mind that they're a business and their ultimate end goal is profit mm-hmm. and constant revenue as opposed to a one-time payment is the only way to like consistently build pro- uh, profit. And that's why AAA studios are all like 
navigating to always have an online presence so they can consistently draw money in as opposed to put out like a single uh like strong narrative game that has huge quality and huge uh like critic critical appeal but it could la- uh, lose business because uh even though it got huge praise and everything it just did not live up to either uh enough to make the net uh money back or just like EA made a profit, I know, this past year, but they're still disappointed because they're expecting more profit from it. So, But expecting more money from where? That's the thing. Like, from players, I guess. That's, that's something that like I, I never get when they make these projections that are, like, crazy high. Yeah. You know you know, all these people aren't going to pick up your game. Or at least there's a lot of people that'll, like, they'll buy it secondhand. So I well, think... I honestly, I feel like um, what might solve the issue for like single player games or like narrative games, um, put these games out on like street, not streaming service, but like game services, stuff like Game Pass, where, you know, the publisher can still make its money by however the hell, you know, Game Pass works. But at the same time, I'm able to play these games. I'm able to, you know, get my fill out of it and then move on to the next one. Yeah, well, so that's what I never quite understood. The whole Game Pass, how that is profitable for like those single place, single player, uh, single. Sorry, I cannot speak. Single player based games, like they put uh, Outer Worlds on Xbox Game Pass almost immediately. They yeah, didn't even have, won. yeah, for like you could basically beat the game for a dollar for the first month, and I'm like, I feel like you're just losing out in business by just putting it out there, just like putting it immediately. So it just does not make sense. It's funny that you mentioned that. So I don't know, like I don't, I don't have the ins and outs of of what contracts Microsoft's been able to draw up for Game Pass, but I'm sure there's some clause in there where you know there Microsoft has probably paid Obsidian up front, like you know a certain amount of money, like in order yeah. to 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 yeah, kind of compensate for that. Um, but I think that also kind of gives them more exposure. It gives you word of mouth, which I think is very valuable. So that's yeah. a that's a game we've talked earlier about about that game and just like kind of how it brought back kind of um, old school versions of like of you know Western RPGs and you know mm-hmm. I think. The idea that it has almost no uh, online inter- interconnectivity at all, it is a purely single-player experience, yet it also is considered a commercial success. Um, there was a, several articles at the beginning of November saying that you know it exceeded the expectations for the publisher. Like they they obviously did a really really good job of getting people's uh, money and and getting their hands on the game which is great uh, God of War is another example yeah. of, a, of a single player experience that sold over 10 million copies and that is a purely single player experience Last of Us 2 will probably do the same thing uh, very quickly um, mm-hmm. and with mm-hmm. no multiplayer this time I was going to say but I feel like I, those games it has, it has like a pedigree like you, you hear God of sure. War you hear Last of Us you know that those are going to be hits you're going to pick it up day one for 60 bucks yeah, I think but, I'm, yeah. but my my th- my thing is that like those games exist without any multiplayer component, pedigree or not. Like those are games that people are going to purchase and 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 droves, and they don't have any free to play bullshit in it at all. Is is my is more of my point. Like yeah, you're right that like they have a pedigree, sure, but Outer Worlds mm-hmm. didn't. Not really. I'm not going to consider. Like I mean, everyone, yeah. I mean, people, some people could say, oh, Obsidian, but like I'm not counting like those of us. People like us in the know, and we we know who Obsidian, you know who who they are, but not everybody knows. Joe Schmo True. won't, 
you know, my, my you know, my family is not going to know who that is. They'll just see it. They'll say, oh, okay, what's that game that's been advertised with Xbox Game Pass? I want to try that. I heard that's that's a cool thing, you know, but it has no multiplayer in it. Like, I, I think things like that matter as well. Like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It, it's it's interesting. I I think this, you know. Do you think it has an imp? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, do you think it has an impact on the quality? Uh, you know, with the online features in mind, do you think it has an impact on quality in terms of the single player experience, especially mm-hmm. you know with uh, games that lock content behind, you know, like pay pay for content uh, games? And I, I think that's why Jedi, you know. Star Wars Jedi uh, Fallen Order had, like, a lot of people writing on that because, you know, EA was consistently wanting to put out, like, microtransaction-based Star Wars games, and Jedi Fallen Order was the black sheep in this regard because it was just going to be, like, a one-time single-player narrative release, and people were so hoping that this is going to, like, do great in sales, so EA will be encouraged to put out other single-player narratives in the future like people actually want instead of mediocre right. uh, microtransaction-based games. But EA is going to do whatever it takes to get money. They don't care about reviews. They just want income because it's a business. Right. And the yeah. perception is there. That's a good example because I've heard just like in my daily life with people who play games, they say, you know, they were not expecting anything from uh, Fallen Order at all. In fact, they were actually going like, you know, I don't want to play that because that's an EA published game and EA sucks. Like they are they're going to do something to mess this up. Um, and that perception is there. It's it's real. Um, and I, I think that's a really, really great point. Um Chris, I didn't want to interrupt what you were about to say. I'm not sure if you were going to respond to that or something else. Oh no! Um, at this point, already. I think you 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 said it, and then yeah, that thought's already it's already gone. So my next question is, how do you with you know next gen right around the corner? Um, we have like I said before, we have these services like Game Pass. We have these games like Fortnite, that are free to play. How do you? What do you think everything is gonna like build together? Like, what is your? What would you want to see this next generation for single player games? Um, what you want to go first, Rod? Um, yeah, I mean, for single player games, I mean, I don't think that they're gonna go away. I think we're gonna continue to see them. Um, I certainly believe that. Um, will I think live service games? We've seen them kind of come up we've seen them division two anthem uh destiny those type of experiences are going to continue to to arise um and and that's fine as far as the single player content goes i mean i'm not gonna say we're in a renaissance i think we've had some really really good ones in the last Mm -hmm. couple years um but i I think that the output is going to remain the same i do think that there will be it, it seems like the games industry is trending alongside what is happening with the film industry, mm-hmm. uh, which is that, you know, you, there are either 200, you know, million dollar blockbusters and then like $2 million indies. And like, that's kind of it. There's no mid budget adult film anymore. Like, I mean, you, every mm-hmm. now and then there, there might be one in like a one in a, in a blue moon, but like those are mostly dead. And I think that that's kind of what we're seeing here is that like, 
Krista, you made the point of like, you know, okay, well, all those games had a pedigree, and, and you're right, they they did, and so like, are we are we're only gonna get those experiences from established franchises, possibly, um, and everything else is free to play in uh, in some fashion, like that's that's quite probable. Like, how often are we gonna get in Outer Worlds? Like, regardless of, of whether or not we liked it or hated it like you know I, i'm glad it exists um personally and you know i would like to see more attempts like that um so it's hard to say but that might be where it's skewing uh what about you aiden i agree with you especially i, I don't think you know those quality singer single player uh based narrative games will decrease but i think the quantity of them quantity of the quality based games is going to go down uh as more businesses uh, see profit in um, online services and revenue. Uh, I th- I just think that's just how it's going to go, especially because you see companies that have even uh, critical like success, such as Telltale, still go out of business because uh, just sales do not match up to make business ends meet. Uh, so businesses are going to do whatever they can to make a profit, and I think they're going to sacrifice quality of narrative-based uh, aspects in order to improve on multi- multiplayer and microtransaction or uh, online-based revenue. Mm. I think so, but also technology, I'm expecting with next-gen, I'm like it's going to be much easier to adapt like the um, VR, I'm hoping. We'll oh, see. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so for sure. For sure. The technology Ooh, will be man, much... Game-changing. <laughs> yeah, the technology will definitely be there. Um, I think we spoke about this last week but the um not only will the tech be there but i think vr is i I think 2020 you could book it right now damn it but 2020 will be the year that i think vr finally breaks into the mainstream i think it's they've it's been trying for a while and i think it's been kind of bubbling but Mm -hmm. i i think with the release of the quest in the middle of of last year the fact that it was sold out completely almost completely during the holiday season is complete to me unheard of especially at that price point like i think that's great i'm actually hearing like regular people talk about it i'm seeing marketing like on uh during uh you know the nfl season nba like i'm seeing like these ads like in in more mainstream places uh i think with the release of these consoles like you're saying like we absolutely see more vr experiences and maybe that's where some of the more experience uh experimental games go as well is like is is VR? I would be, be definitely curious to see about how that develops for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think, and this is this is you know me putting it out there, you know me, uh, this is my hot take on it, is that I I could see you know services like Game Pass or PlayStation Now being being the the new home for like these. Uh, um, you know, single player, these, uh, you know, consoles, console exclusive games. Um, I can see, you know, them being tied behind like these services and that's how these companies are going to be making money off of it. So especially with a lot of these games being, uh, first party, uh, that are being put on it, um, especially the big ones. When you think of like big single player, uh, games, I'm thinking, you know, Uncharted, I'm thinking God of War, thinking Mm -hmm. Halo, I'm thinking like these, these are, you know, these, triple-A games that are owned by these companies that have these services. That's the best way to sell Game Pass. That's the best way to sell PlayStation Now. You know, have it have it available day one. 
have it where you could, mm-hmm. you know, you could play through the game. And of course you have a library of other games to play. Um, it game pass was genius of letting mm-hmm. you being able to download the game straight to your system. I feel PlayStation now missed the mark by doing the whole streaming thing. Um, which I mean, streaming games, you know, it's, it's something that before we know it is going to be more viable. Uh, look at Stadia. The technology is there with Stadia. Uh, whether or not there's a library there, that's the issue. Uh, but I feel like the technology in this next decade is definitely going to get there. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, look I, at Project X Cloud. Like that's around the corner. That's yeah, that's huge. Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's what's giant. Yeah, that's that's um Project X Cloud. That's I feel like that's where Stadia is like. I feel like that's where they messed up. They feel like. Uh, if, if Stadia just took their time with building a library and building, you know, first party games, once again, the first party games, that's where, like the exclusive games, that's what matters. That's where, that's why you buy a service. So look at why Xbox failed this last generation is because their first party games weren't there. No one wanted to be on the system because, mm-hmm. hey, all my friends are on PlayStation. I can play all these games on PlayStation and at the same time play these really good exclusive games. So oh, yeah. the the name of the game on all of this is just exclusivity on really dope games so that you can sell your product. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, you know, Microsoft has that. They're building that up right now. Uh, Sony, they're so far in the lead where they, they're sort of blinded by it. But hopefully with the next generation, they'll start shifting towards what Game Pass is doing. And if Stadia, if they don't come up with, you know, first party games or impressive quality first party games... That's it. It's dead in the water. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Stadia, you think Stadia, so you think Stadia is going to catch on? Like, uh, it sales, it was a little rough out the gate. You think it's going to pick up pace? The only way it's going to pick up is if they put out games that, you know, you would want to pick up the service to play it. Like, if, cause like I said, the, the technology's there. It works. But why, why maybe- would I? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, why would I, you know, pay for a service to then pay for a game when I could just, you know, do the other way around and have everything, like, local? And Mm -hmm. at the same time, I have, like, these exclusives. You know, I can't play uh, Halo on Stadia. I can't play God of War. I can't play, you know, Zelda. You know, I I think Stadia really needs a really good exclusive uh, lineup. To get a, to get people to just try the service, there's literally no reason to try Stadia unless you're just part of the yeah. bleeding edge and you want to try out the technology. Who is Stadia? Google for? Kind of like we 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 literally. I I feel like I've been asking this question since like Stadia came out in beta. Like I I, I don't understand who it's for. Like I I don't understand like what they need is not to me is not exclusives like and i'll say that stadia is going to be dead as soon as xcloud releases like i I feel like it's going to kill that thing dead and unless they change the the marketplace no one wants to purchase full ass games for stadia and still pay the subscription what are you paying the subscription service for at that point like literally xcloud and almost any other streaming platform like it, it allows gaming right now is a better sell than stadia that's like, true i just don't see it catching on and unless they change something significant about that marketplace 
I mean, I think that's one of the best things that, you know, uh, VR is doing is because that Half-Life Alex, you know, they're basically making that an exclusive title for VR. And that's going to convince a lot of people because people have been waiting for a next installment in the series for years. So yeah. the fanboys are going to jump on board immediately, the ones who have not yeah. already gotten the VR chat. I, I know people that as soon as that game was announced, they were like, all right. I need to build like the best VR capable PC that I can. So yeah. once again, back to my point, exclusivity, that's what matters. It's going it works and I think that is what PS4 probably succeeded over Xbox 1 in this generation, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, then that's 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 my take on it. I feel that um for any of these services, like, um, at the end of the day, it's all about, like, taking, getting our attention and keeping it. So when you, when, you know, going back to looking at just, like, live service games, if, if, if it's something that, like, I could keep my attention on and I'm spending my money on that product, like you said, Aiden, like, these companies, they don't really care about how great a game is. They care about how much money they're, yeah. uh, they're taking in. So, it's it, it it all balances together. It all comes full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely um, true. Yep. So I I think that's a good stopping point for that uh for our topic this week. Um, I feel like the next I feel like all these topics that we have lined up for this uh for January. I guess it's for the most part it's sort of like you know looking into like what. What do we want to see with certain things in the future? So um, I we we have a couple of guests lined up for the next couple of weeks that I'm excited to have on. Uh, once again, Aiden, thanks for joining us this week, man. We Absolutely, you it, on. It, it was a pleasure. Thank you, guys. I loved hearing about your opinions and takes and trends for the industry. Thanks, man. Um, anything you want to shout out while you're here? Ooh, oh, damn! I didn't even think about this. Um. I'm not going to promote any businesses because I'm not sure about bias, but uh, Outer Worlds is my top game of 2019. I'll just say that. Boom. Mic drop. Right. That's me. Mic drop. All right. <laughs> Rod, what you got for us? Definitely huge, oh. huge shout out to Wick Recordings for retweeting and commenting on us. Um, yeah. That that was awesome. That literally made my week uh, so much better like it was it's so so cool um to to just i don't know get any sort of recognition like that from them like that that was really really cool so big shout out to them um definitely as always if you want to support us the best way to do that is just leaving a comment or a rate rating on uh you know itunes apple that that really helps a lot or any other platform that you're using to listen to this um thank you that's it, Chris. Go ahead. Oh, no. <laughs> me in the of a burp, silent burp. But uh, <laughs> and it's weird because once again, YouTube people, you saw all that. You saw me struggle with that burp. It's weird. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's what we got. Um, at the end of all this, like I said, um, guys, play more games. Be positive. I know 2020. Some people are like, oh, I don't really care about New Year's resolutions. New Year, new me. Some people are like, I'm still on the same bullshit. Listen. At the end of the day, just try to make yourself better. Try to try to improve on yourself, and then improve. And with your improved self, try to improve the world. 
Because the world's literally on fire right now. So, oh yeah, let's. For all Australian listeners, sorry about your. Yeah. We actually do have listeners in Australia, apparently. So, um, yeah, please be safe if you're out there. Please, please be safe. You know, our thoughts and prayers go out to you guys. Thoughts and prayers go out to our military at the same time. Um, That's that's a whole like shitstorm in itself. So. Once again, stay positive, have fun, play video games, and guys, stay beastly. We'll catch you next week. Peace.